0: Good afternoon. This is Gary Kavanagh here on TRSI. Today is the tenth of June. I hope you've been well since last we spoke, and I'm here today with my friend and
1: colleague Michael Dwyer. Michael, how are you? Wonderful, Gary. Wonderful. Super duper. Anything happening with you? I am. Um, I'm staying inside, and I'm going through my library today mostly. Are you
0: decolonising your bookshelf? I
1: am. I'm decolonising my bookshelf. I'm aware that I have, a f- I have a certain duty, obviously, as a leader culturally. Politically, philosophically, a leader of thought, and in fashion. Let's face it. Let's let's not be let's not be behind the bush about it. And that I have a duty to get in there. And you know, you know what, Gary? When I subject myself to a proper self-examination, a proper critical reappraisal, it's shameful. I mean, genuinely shameful. The kind of things I have there on the shelf. And uh... oh, absolutely. And I think if there's ever
0: been a time in our history when we want to check ourselves and our privilege and very much review everything we've done in our life now is the time so that in like two years we won't be lined against a wall and shot
1: absolutely and, I, and I, you know, I think speaking as a proud black woman I think that I'm very much aware also at the times like this of my own inner strength and of my capacity but also the necessity for people like me to speak truth to power and to be brave and to be courageous and to maybe get a large, well-paid job with the government to make sure that, to help other people be brave and courageous too. Because you, know, I am, ultimately, I'm a giver, Gary. I like to give. Well, I, I had a, a thought there, one of the rare ones,
0: uh, over the last week. Just
1: die of loneliness.
0: <laughs> Just bounced around for a while, you could hear the echo. Yeah. And I was... Things seem to be falling apart a little bit. A little bit. Like, it just, just seems to be a wonderful display of, oh, was that giant chasm in society always there? Or did that just turn up over the weekend? But the thing I realize and a measure of how bad it's gotten, is this, Michael. What's that? People have stopped using Yeats quotes. This is true! We've gone through the part where people <laughs> were like, the centre cannot hold, things fall apart.
1: Of course... It strikes me, I mean, also, no, no T.S. Eliot quotes, no bangs and whimpers. But of course, you see, Eliot and Yeats, and let's not even go near pound, Eliot are problematic writers, Gary. And I don't know how safe, one might say, or useful it would be to display a knowledge of, such problematic writers. I mean, writers. You're can, can
0: you imagine standing up and saying that the centre cannot hold and then from the audience someone just yells out, "Yeats was a fascist?
1: A, a, a fascist? Uh, an anti-Semite? A racist? Um, a Protestant? No, that's a, probably okay. Or is it? Well, Christian. Christian is problematic. But he was a very good poet, though. It, but, Gary, that's hardly the point. I mean, Eliot was a poet, a great, good poet. Ezra Pound was a wonderful poet. But is that, I mean, is that what we should be looking at when we're looking at their poetry? Well, I mean, I don't know what we should be
0: looking at anymore. I, so, we seem to be having a little bit of a uh, year zero movement in politics at the minute. The sort of history is imperfect, so we'll just tear it down and we'll build a perfect world of science and reason.
1: <laughs> no we not. Science and reason are a... <laughs> Oh, you're a scallywag aren't you? <laughs> science and reason. Jesus the last... And yeah, I'll tell you what we'll do now. We'll collect all of the people from Black Lives Matter and all the people from Antifa. We'll get them all together and we'll give them uh, a randomised Questions on calculus and oh, and algebraic functions, and we'll see how <laughs> we'll see how much they love that, or maybe on something from the Leibnizard physics course, which I spectacularly failed myself. Oh yeah, science and reason is really what these people I mean, are. That's at. the way. That's that's the way the
0: French said it when they had their own little revolution.
1: Yes, and what uh, do you know? What we got out of the French Revolution, Gary? Napoleon Bonaparte.
0: I'd strongly recommend to the
1: listener if they haven't read it that you read Burke's uh, reflections. No, and it should. If you read reflections, you should read reflections, because it's, he he writes. If, well, if nothing else, he's in education in how to write a sentence. Apparently, couldn't couldn't speak for toffee as a re, as a rhetor. But I don't know if that's true. But what Burke is doing in the reflections is not actually, in a sense, it's not so much a condemnation of what happened in France what it is, it's a warning about how to avoid it happening in Britain. It's not so much an attack on the ideas. But, I don't know, Gary, did you see there was a comment on the BBC website, which it is slightly connected to this, where um, I, one of the, he's a BBC journalist, made a comment, and I thought, for a, 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 a bright and presumably educated man, it was one of the stupidest things I'd ever heard. Well, it's heard for a long time, and in response to what he obviously feels is an overly egged, maybe hyster- hysterical response to the some of the, the cultural cleaning that's going on, he said that the cultural revolution was not getting rid of two statues and renaming a lecture hall in a college. Cultural revolution starts off with a history play, and the rev- not, not actually with the even the history play, but it starts off with the review. The review of a history play and from there grew the Cultural Revolution. These things, as they say, get out of hand. When Robespierre, who other listeners listener will may be aware was in one of my favourite historical libraries, deeply opposed to the death penalty in principle. I love it when you can be you could be. There's, a lot, of, there's a lot of
0: weight in principle is carrying in that sentence. Yeah.
1: I think principles are a great thing. I, I, was, I was having a, a brief te- communication with Ed West, the author who hopefully we will be having an interview with in the next, the next couple of weeks. Ed has just got a new book out, a small, which the, the title spoke to me, Gary, so so spoke to me, Small Men on the Wrong Side of History. And uh, we'll be talking to him about that in his other book, also, which I, I have read, which is very good, called The, 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 the Diversity Illusion. And I said to him that that I would have to delay it because almost to a point of principle, I like to read the book before I have the talk. And But with Robespierre, it wasn't even almost a point. It was actually a point of principle. And Robespierre, of course, ends up at the, end, the wrong end of the guillotine. Uh, I'd say the right end. So uh, what do we get out of the Reign of Terror? We get to, we get to a point. Uh, there is actually, there's a point to this. We get to the point where the Bourbon King loses his head then ropes here, and then we get Napoleon, and Napoleon eventually dies in Helena. And we get to a point in 1870, after Napoleon Third has lost the gaff again, after the, I think we're heading into the Fourth Republic, and the Bourbons in 1870 were offered the crown of France again. And do you know why we don't have a king in France today, Gary? This is absolutely, this is true, because even though he was being offered the the opportunity, the Bourbon, whoever the claimant was, they said to him, you can be king of France and you can get, you know, Versailles and Tullier and all the good stuff that goes with being the king of France. But we'd like to keep the flag, you know, the red, white and blue flag, the tricolor. Mm. And the Bourbon, who famously some, was after the, the Congress of Vienna, the, the Bourbons were famously described as having come back, having learnt nothing and forgotten nothing being a bourbon he had learnt nothing forgotten nothing and said no unless i can have my flag i'm not going i I won't be king of france like it was really going to break their hearts if he wasn't (laughs) king of france and off he went they said no we're keeping the flag can you imagine that gary you could be king of france just can we have if you can take the flag but they wouldn't would you have taken the flag i think i would have I would say, fire a weekend of whatever flag you like. I would probably take in power and then change the flag later. But that's history for you. And that's the way history goes. These things get out of kilter, they run away from you. You think you can manage them, but you can't. Von Papen, I mean, I don't want to fall into that. Von Papen thought he could handle the gentleman from Graz, but he couldn't, as it turned out. Because, well, he couldn't handle them and Hindenburg died and all sorts of things happen. Events happen. Things get away from you. There
0: is this wonderful thing of seeing statues being torn down and then governments deciding to take down other statues because they're incredibly weak. And then TV programmes being removed and then people saying you have to decolonize your bookshelf Hold on, and that you the, can't buy things on, from certain on, authors. On the
1: subject of the, the statue, did you see the tweet? Whatever you feel about that statue... Is how you feel about slavery and don't let anyone tell you different. How you feel about that statue is how you feel about slavery. I mean. And what you say about his company is what you say about society, I believe is the Rush lyric. <laughs> there you go, know, if it's a Rush lyric. I, other than the fact, I mean, there's a deep dishonesty, political dishonesty, but the arrogance. The totalitarian arrogance to tell you this is what you think, this is what you feel. And ignoring the fact that most people's attitude slavery, horrible thing, statue, couldn't give a fuck. you sorry, you were saying about television. Yeah, but
0: you, you see all these things and you see the government response to them. You see videos of police officers running from crowds who are throwing bricks at them. Shameful. And you see videos of rituals, because that's what they are, of white people washing the feet of black people in America as a way of apology. And you know, you can just, you just have that thing going, oh, this isn't going to end well. Like, nothing about this is shaping up to end well.
1: Pictures of police being told uh, from on high to bend the knee, go down on one knee. Did you see the video of the Democrats uh,
0: kneeling in, um, in I think, the Senate? I'm not sure what building it is. Mm-hmm, but they, they take the knee to you know, show solidarity. And they're all wearing what I would describe as African scarves because they're, I think They don't seem to be culturally from any place in Africa. I
1: think they're, they're, I think somebody speculated they might be Ghanaian.
0: Are they? Like I I had, a, I looked at them and I couldn't recognise them. And they seem like they're designed to just be quote-unquote African colours well, and styles. West African maybe, sort of, the kind of generic. Mm.
1: They also look, I mean, not to go, they definitely also look like they could also be a stole, like a priest's stole. And you see this picture of all of them on their knees wearing these, like it's like a liturgical garment and it just emphasizes it again the religious sense of all of this the washing of the feet is i mean explicit but also the genuflection is an explicitly religious gesture although gary am i missing something but if you see the video
0: of uh pelosi yes pelosi and the others uh kneeling she can't get back up I'm a god lover. I mean, she's not a young woman. I mean, No, she's not a young woman, but she literally cannot get back up and has to be helped up. So everyone else is up and she's just sort of rocking. And then all I can hear is, yeah, high heels were not a great choice.
1: Then, I... Where... It isn't an unreasonable question when people start these things to say, to ask, well, where will it end? Well, I mean, I... So in Britain, they tore down one statue in Bristol.
0: And then a website went up called ToppleTheRacists.org. Yes. Uh, and that basically has just lists of statues that they think were are of people who are responsible for colonial violence. And to say they cast a wide net mm-hmm. would, be, uh, would be... I mean, they have Charles Grey, the former British Prime Minister. Charles Grey's government outlawed slavery. And... When they outlawed slavery, because slaves were prop- property, what they basically did was they bought all the slaves.
1: Yeah, they compensated the, the the Caribbean. And
0: the problem that these people have is that ex-slaves got no money, but slave owners did. Purely because the government went, we can't... You can't expropriate property without compensation. We can stop you from getting uh, more slaves, but the slaves you have now are your property. So we can't take that away from you. So we'll just buy them. It wasn't as if the government went, you know, this is a this is a freebie for slaveholders. It was, this is what we can do legally. And to be fair, they paid
1: a lot of money. It was a, a, a very large amount of money. Uh, some of which, well, quite a, a lot of which ended up going to William Gladstone's father. And Gladstone has been taken out of the University of Liverpool because his father owned slaves so again I ask where does it stop I How... they also they, they
0: put they also put uh, Sir Robert Peel there yeah saying that he, they said that he had campaigned against the foreign slave trade abolition bill now here's the thing he didn't his father did now his father was also called Robert, Robert Peel. Peel yes here's the thing they were informed of that and instead of removing it. They just took down the part where they said he campaigned against the foreign slave trade abolition bill, but kept him up. Well, because his father did something. Because his father did something. So now we're, we're tearing down statues because their fathers did things. I did like when the, um, so the, the, the British police have let certain statues be torn down. But the two statues they have absolutely defended are Cecil Rhodes and uh, Robert Clive. Now, Cecil Rhodes is... Um, did you ever hear what Mark Twain wrote about him? About Rhodes? Oh, yeah. Not nice. Well, he, he didn't like Rhodes. He fucking hated a Rhodes. A lot of people didn't like Rhodes. No, no, Rhodes at the time. But um, he... Uh, there was a great one. Um, I have it here, actually. He said, He raids and he robs and he slays and he enslaves the Matabelli and gets whirls of charter Christian applause for it. He's beguiled England into buying charter waste paper for Bank of England notes, ton for ton, and the ravish still burn incense to him as the eventual god of plenty. He has done everything he could think of to pull himself down to the ground. He has done more than enough to pull sixteen common-run great men down. <laughs> Yet there he stands to this day, upon his dizzy summit under the dome of the sky, an apparent permanency, the marvel of the time, the mystery of the ages, An archangel with wings to half the world, Satan with a tail to the other half. I admire him. I frankly confess it. And when his time comes, I shall buy
1: a piece of the rope for a keepsake. (laughs) Mark Twain could write. Uh, By the way, we should, of course, remember that the writing of Mark Twain is under (coughs) serious uh, suspicion. It has already been cleaned up the text of the text has already been cleaned up but uh and i'm this is not a joke but huck finn and tom sawyer those stories are being removed from a lot of schools in the united states and not just the united states because of the way the race issue and the language is used so you know, on, on robert
0: clive robert clive took over india for the east Indian trading company if you're interested in corporate or business affairs, you should try and read a good biography of um, Robert Clive or the East Indian Trade Company. But Robert Clive was a
1: bastard. I mean, if you want young people talk about the robber barons, the robber barons were Saint Francis of Assisi on a on a, on a good day on a picnic with Saint Clair in comparison to Robert Clive.
0: I've read a wonderful analysis of Clive's military victories in India, and it was basically well, a sensible commander would have fallen back purely because of the losses to his own force. Robert Clive just didn't care if any of his men
1: survived, and so he kept winning battles. What was the big one? It begins with a P. The battle, I want to say the Battle of Plessy, but Plessy is, I'm sure, a battle in France. And it was an absolute, he didn't care, he just, he really did not care. Oh, he's like most of these people aren't even British, just wave at,
0: you know that scene in Futurama, where Zach Brannigan finds out that they're against a force called the killbots, and he says he found out that each killbot had a number programmed into it, and when it hit that number of kills, it would shut down, so he just sent wave after wave of his own men at them. It was basically that, but with Indian conscripts. Yes. But, Clive ended up back in London in front of Parliament because Clive became, I think, the richest self made man in England. I think which... Clive was close to being the richest man in the world. And they basically said that you know, to explain his plundering of India. And Clive retorted by saying, and the great thing is, this is absolutely accurate what he said. He said, By God, Chairman, I stand here astounded by my own moderation. <laughs>
1: Oh, God. Yeah, he does as He has this... Like, he, basically, he was saying, and he was... There is so much stuff I could have taken that I didn't... You wouldn't believe it. Yeah.
0: Like you, you here in Parliament, you think I took a lot. Because you don't see what I could have taken. I could have taken anything
1: I wanted. No, and... One of the reasons I think they get is that because and I think we for, we maybe forget here is people uh, had no notion how rich India was. Mm. I mean, we have to. It's really only for a little bit of what is it 300, 400 years in human history, but basically for the last five thousand years, if you want to look at richest place in the world. For the vast majority of that, it swings China, India, China, India, India, China, China, India. Europe does not really play a big role in on that map. It's always, and when he went over at the end of the Mughal Empire, India was vastly wealthy. I mean, poor, oh, poor, poor, poor. and say Also, the if you've ever read any
0: of the um, the indigenous accounts, the the Indian accounts of meeting the English. Hmm.
1: And they're like, these people are savages who don't even bathe. I mean, the the quality of life, the the refinement of life in an Indian palace, in comparison, other than the fact they would have been just far bigger and much more and cool and beautiful and perfumed and full of water and garden, in comparison to the dingy, shitty palaces that still would have been fairly common in a lot of Europe. And just, like you said, the bathing... The they just, they, these smelly, sweaty, hairy Europeans. The, the Chinese used to call them monkeys, hairy monkeys. The clo, the nicest thing they used to say, the Chinese used to say about the Europeans was that they were the, they called them big noses, like that guy in the Monty Python, the big noses. But otherwise, they thought they were monkeys, clever monkeys. Monkeys are good with mechanical stuff, but other than that. Fundamentally barbarians, I think, indeed they were, but barbarians that were good at fighting. In this case, and he was just rapacious beyond belief. I mean, Rhodes, Rhodes ended up having at least two having two countries called after him at one stage. You Southern Rhodesia, Northern Rhodesia, then it just then just Rhodesia, and then Rhodesia eventually became Zimbabwe. But Rhodes, as much, I, I I'm fascinated that those. As, well, I can see why they could be—they are the, the most obvious targets to attack because they are absolutely symbols of colonialization and expropriation and racism. I mean, that's, if you
0: want to, if, if you want to talk about people with colonial violence, yeah, that's that's pretty fair. Like they're up there.
1: No, I have to say, I will—I wouldn't confess one thing. When I was watching about all this stuff and reading the papers, I, I, my immediate reaction was just full stop nonsense. You just have to live with history. Maybe if you want, there's a slave. This guy is an 18th century. It's a statue from the 18th century, I think, in in Bristol. I'm sure that 99.9 percent of people who passed that statue for years and years and years just thought it was a a, a, an man standing there and nothing about it. And I'm just completely dismissive. But then I did read a, a brief story about a plan to move a statue in Brussels. And it was a statue of King Leopold. At that point, I, thought, I hadn't. Thought, I thought, oh, actually, yeah, having a statue of someone like King Leopold, who was legitimately one of history's biggest bastards, a monster. I mean, you're it, not to be kind of the tired cliche, but like morally speaking, you're kind up there with your your Hitlers and stuff.
0: Yeah, like at least Clive would just go, well, I was working for the company and I did what the company asked me to do. And other than that, I didn't really, I wasn't trying to increase suffering. Whereas Leopold was just, yeah, I set your family on fire. What are you going to do? Hit your production quota next time. You have more
1: children to burn. Leopold, in the in the scramble for Africa, Leopold of Belgium, the, the family, by the way, who were the same, he was, I think, a brother... Or his father, so he would have been the first cousin of Prince Albert, uh, because the same house, Saxe-Coburg's. And when the Zaire, Belgian Congo as was, was given, it wasn't given to the Belgian people, it wasn't given to Parliament or as a territory. It was given, it was the personal holding, it was the personal holding of Leopold. So... You know, normally people could say, oh, "Well, you know, it wasn't me." I mean, Queen Victoria was the she was the Empress, but obviously she wasn't responsible for what was going on in India, or in the colonies in Africa, or in Canada, or whatever. She was just Leopold was the person, it was his property. So Leopold is actually directly personally responsible. And Casement famously is the guy who goes into and makes the report. The descriptions, the savagery, the brutality, the exploits is unreal i mean as one one historian said to me you read the history of the germans in namibia and you think oh my god that is so savage you can see what was coming next that's unbelievable and then you read belgium and you think you know what the germans weren't that bad really were they
0: yeah I, i mean eventually someone did realize that the only things the congo imported were manacles and machetes and the only thing they exported was uh, rubber, although they could have done
1: a wonderful sidearm or side business in human limbs, yes, which they chopped off lost now it made Leopold and presumably the Belgian royal family to this day, I don't know vastly wealthy. Did you see leo has uh, has come out and said um well firstly, he said that Ireland has a racism problem, <laughs> sorry, I was convinced you were saying about to say Leo has come out and admitted he had chairs in the rubber plantations. There, sorry, for a little moment. He, yes, Ireland has a problem with racism. And
0: uh, that uh, statues may need to be removed. What statues? Racist figures, Michael. In particular, he was talking about Sean Russell. So for those who don't know, Sean Russell was, uh, he fought in the 1916 Rising and was involved in the War of Independence. But uh, Russell, during World War II, went to Germany. Yes, he wasn't sound on the on that issue. Uh, he wanted to secure support for the IRA. He wanted to get weapons and training. Now that uh, I mean, that was not something only Russell believed at that point, because you've got to remember during that period, lots of Irish people saw the war with Germany as effectively a way to get out of uh, get out of the English sphere, and there was a lot of the the enemy of my enemy is my friend.
1: England's difficulties, Ireland's opportunity. Kind of and
0: a lot of the things that about Nazi Germany that would come to light later were not immediately clear. Though by kind of 1940 yeah. they were a lot clearer now, than they had been. On
1: the other hand, I mean Russell was in Germany. He spent a good while there. I think. And it was I mean, it should have been patent enough. And I don't recall Russell ever going through any large scale critique of what was going on there when he was there or when he came back. And Gary, you didn't have to you didn't have to know about Auschwitz in 1940 to know that Germany in nineteen forty was a very bad place and were doing very bad things. But I mean to me it's not a question of whether or not we can about Russell particularly. But what I it's disappointing in this sense. Ireland is actually a country that people could look to on this kind of problem. Just I think learn from us because we have pretty well decided to just live with history.
0: I and mean, Dev, wasn't Dev asked to remove a lot of statues? Yeah. And that, he just
1: sort of went, one, I
0: don't care, and two, some of them are very pretty or have historical significance, so right, that's they're, not they're, bothered.
1: They're, they're fine, their street furniture, and, you know, you didn't want to spend money on putting other statues in their place and stuff, but when the state was founded, okay, I mean, it's not to say that no statues were removed. Famously, there was what was considered to be a pretty hideous statue of the Empress Victoria, which was moved first from the street and then was moved, I think, at the back of Trinity. And eventually it was sold, and I think it's in somewhere in, in Australia now, in some square. But if you look at the names of the streets, for example, in Dublin, some of the names uh, were changed, but many of them were Like Little Britain Street, the Cumberland street Grafton street most of the streets stay the same we painted the post boxes but they still say victoria regina or edwardus rex or georgeus rex we have the royal dublin horse show we have the royal dublin society we have the royal irish academy the royal college of surgeons we didn't we, that was just a question of taking your word of we didn't do that there are lots there are statues there are, there are memorials around the place and we made the decision we just we lived with our history i mean there is a lot to be said for benign indifference and an acceptance of the past it there's an element to this and but this is this is just a, a new outbreak in a way of a, of something which has been going on for a long time we, which there's a kind of a war on history but there's also it's the morality of it. It's, there's a sense that if we we can do things now which will heal the wickedness of our past. So, for example, we can do things for our minority groups or for women to now, which in this right in this moment they may not actually be needed or necessary or required or moral, but because bad things were done to a, a particular group in the past. We should do something for them now and in some kind of weird way that will heal the bad thing that was done in history but the other side of that is what we're doing now is where we decided we're just going to get rid of the history all that bad stuff we're just going to get rid of we've got it's, it's like you said it's year zero and i think that that in a way is much worse
0: year zero we've seen a couple of countries try in year zero usually in the middle of revolutionary moments Yes, and it has never gone particularly well, because once you start year zeroing things, people really quickly realise how much you can actually do.
1: There is nothing. I talked to a friend of mine who was a historian last night, and I said about the stitches, and she, I said that they'd renamed this or or denamed this hall in Glas in University of Liverpool, and she's not quite right too. And I think that was just a kind of a reflexive comment of a a liberal person who thinks that well whatever this is I don't really know I'm not that interested but I'm on I'm on their side because I know what side I should be on, but if you start to think about it, nothing, nothing, Gary, nothing in our lives and our opinions today would pass muster with the seriously engaged, seriously woke people who are running part of Portland today let alone what was going on 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 years ago
0: but there is also this assumption that the you know, the arc of history bends inevitably towards justice which is over an actual study of history is not just wrong but is also dangerous in that it assumes that that sort of development is, is innate that it just happens but you could even have a situation where in a hundred years We actually go back to sort of like a Victorian understanding of things. Oh, in which case, the woke are not getting their statues standing for long. No, no, no. Well, the Victorians would probably just put like a dress or something on them.
1: There was a rather interesting article by um, a Turkish journalist who, who was asked what he thought was of what was going on. He said, well, you know, guys... You're all there and you're you're enjoying your power and your cultural power and you're, you're going to push it through. But, you know, it's perfectly possible that what you actually end up doing is pissing off all these people who are actually an awful lot more than you think there are and you end up with a populist dictator running the country. And suddenly all of those things that you thought you were going to be able to do are not being done. And in fact, all the things you did are undone and you're out of a job. And you're lucky if it's only a job that you're out of. I, I, I could obviously imagine he was referring to the advent of Mr. Erdogan. It's something I've been thinking about over this situation.
0: And it's whether or not this is a display this is primarily happening because of the strength of feeling on these things amongst the people, or the weakness of the ruling class, including politicians, but also the wider sort of cultural and social elites. And I think it's weakness more than anything else. I mean, the responses of government to these things have been atrocious. Pathetic. Even, even countries where they've tried to
1: be a bit stronger on it, have also been pathetic. I think its weakness, I think its moral weakness. When Leo Varadkar criticised the United States for a lack of moral leadership, laugh, I nearly paid my licence fee. I mean, this is the same guy who completely refused and failed to even advert to the fact that having 5,000 people marching through Dublin in the pandemic possibly represented a problematic issue. Wouldn't even mention that. Didn't come up. No, not and even th- when asked directly by a TD. Yeah. And then and then he says the United States is showing a lack of moral leadership. Well, I'm sorry, Leo, you just go fuck off now. You, you go away, you take your nappy-nap time because it's time... Uh, until you can think of grown-up things to say. I think it's weakness. I think also they are... Um, Gary... We have seen, and we and continue to see, that the larger political entities, organizations in this country, are vacuums. They have no content. They have no intellectual, ideological, philosophical, moral content. They are—you can fill them up with whatever was whatever is going to make them float and go to power or stay in power. I don't think you could possibly describe a kind of a consistency, a core coherent consistency to Finnegade or to Fianna Fáil in the last 20 years. Except whatever you're having yourself.
0: I don't know. I can see them coming after Father Ted and that just leading to yes. riots. Yes, yeah. yeah. It'll be that episode with Hitler where they make the Chinese impression.
1: <laughs> well, they kill, I mean, killing a scully. I mean, is it acceptable to have somebody making with a German accent I'm, all I can see is someone holding a sign
0: saying "a perfectly square piece of dirt is racist." Um,
1: I don't. Did you see there's a um, there's a, a a a thing going around on the net? I don't know if you saw it. It's it's kind of mimicking those you know drink adverts with the with the with the health code at the end. You start off, and it's all in black. It's sort of in shade and light, and there's picture of a of a black man he, uh, speaking with an accent and he says is it because i'm black and then somebody else says come character comes on and says is it because i'm a traveler and then a woman comes on is it because i'm a lesbian and then the last character comes on and says with a strong accent is it because i'm from cork and then the tagline is please use your use, use your racism sensibly
0: Oh, there was one thing Leo said uh, today, which I didn't mention to you. What I was, was that? Because I thought I would annoy you too much. Oh, God. Oh, he said that Ireland needs to definitely, definitely, Michael, needs to bring in new laws around hate speech and oh. hate crimes. Oh, And we also need an anti-racism awareness
1: campaign, Michael. Oh, uh, jobs. What did I just say? More jobs, jobs, jobs. God, Gary. Oh, the racism jobs that are going to be, it's going to be a panacea. There are going to be anti race There are going to be councils and jobs for people to make policing jobs fundamentally to go around. But it won't be police. It'll be semi-judicial forces which, where they can try you and find you guilty without ever actually having to bring you near a court. There'll be people to teach you how not to be racist. Then there'll be people to teach your teachers how to teach your children not to be racist. And then there'll be people who will do plays and story times in the libraries and how not to be racist. And then we'll have we'll have festivals, Gary, and we'll have dancing and singing and we'll have non-racist food. We'll have things on sticks, on barbecues and balloons and face painting in a non-racist kind of way, obviously. We can't have blackface. It'll be, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be a wonderland, Gary. It's going to be a wonderland. And nobody will ever be racist again. And we shall all love each other. Well, except, you no, know, well now, except for the Jews, of course. And maybe the, Ar- and, and maybe the Armenians, you know, because you know, there's something about them. I, uh, but other than that, we'll never, ever be racist again. And it will be lovely. Remember when people thought Leo was right wing?
0: <laughs> Do you
1: remember that? God that
0: seems so long ago.
1: God, were we ever that young? I don't know. Yes, we're going to have this, we're going to have hate speech laws and we're going to have we're going to have hate enhancements to crime. Because Gary, if you go down the street and hit me on the head and said, There you are, faggot, or there you are, fat person, that's a hate crime and that's a very bad crime gary like for example it would be worse than if you were to wait until some old one was coming out of the post office for a pension and you hit her on the head with a hammer because you wanted to buy an xbox that wouldn't be that wouldn't be as bad because beating up old ones to buy an xbox because you're you're greedy and lazy is one thing but hitting somebody for because they're coming out of the George, that's much worse and we need to be able to make that kind of distinction in our law, Gary, to say that some citizens are more valuable than other citizens and deserve more protection than other citizens. Oh, we wouldn't say more valuable, Michael. Just... Oh, I won't, Gary. Let's face it. I mean, let's look at what we did during the pandemic so far with the old people. <laughs> yeah. let's let's not put a tooth in it. It's not like we were putting extra value tickets on them, was it? Let's you know. Let's not mid- let's not tell anybody, but. It- we haven't exactly been breaking the bank to try and protect the vulnerable people, have we? Who happen to be the old people. They're older. Yeah, you know, a lot of them are religious types, you know, so, you know, they have that for them. So, and, you know, fewer of them. There. No, it's, oh, gosh. Oh, it just gets worse. It's just, but I said, I told you this, I said, this is what's coming down the road. I asked an eminently, uh, some eminently sensible liberal friends of mine recently. I've been doing a little bit of a survey to list the top 10 most important, most pressing problems in Ireland today. And then I asked them, would they, you know, prompt them, would they consider that racism in Ireland today was indeed one of those 10 and this? Now, some of them said, well, it depends. For one particular ethnic group, probably with travellers, there was a wide, there was a widespread sense that there was a problem with racism against travellers. But other than that, there was they said no. But that's going to have to change, Gary. We're going to have to start recognising how virulent racism is in this country. Here's here's the thing, though.
0: If we want to if we want to go to this American model of oh, so racial grievances, it hasn't yeah. worked in America at all, and. Okay, travellers. I, I will take the point on travellers. They're the one ethnic group in Ireland which I can say, yeah, people are fairly virulently racist against travellers. This is true. But the American model is very ill-placed to actually deal with that because the problem there is if you start talking to people about travellers and why they don't like travellers, it's generally because they've had bad experiences with travellers. And the American model cannot deal with the idea that, yes, people can be racist against a group, but they can do it for reasons that they think are justifiable. And you have to engage with that
1: sense rather and if, than...
0: Yeah, if you're not willing to deal with that and say, okay, yeah, there are problems of criminality inside the traveller community that we should also work to deal with. Because if we don't, people saying, I don't like travellers, may be the rational response. And the American approach cannot deal with the idea that any sort of racial prejudice could be rational. Which is not to say it is good,
1: well Far from. Particularly, I mean, it's all very well until you're faced with a situation where you recognise that you've got little children, six and seven years old, who are, as it were, perfect, perfectly innocent, who are being treated and regarded in a certain way because people are bringing uh, a racist stereotypical attitude to them.
0: Oh, and this thing, the American approach focuses entirely on the harm done to the target of racism. And says that there can be no justification for it. But that's not how people think. And but if you're it, willing to deal with that, you can't work with the issue.
1: Rational or irrational, right or wrong. The, the problem I would say with the American model is it just it doesn't work. It plainly, plainly doesn't work. One of the the phrases that people constantly use, I've been using all of my life is talk. We have to talk. We need to talk about this. We need to have convers talk. Moynihan said in the early 70s to to Nixon that he felt that the issue of race could do with a period of benign neglect. I think it's turned out that Moynihan was in this as he was in many things absolutely right. Obsessively talking about something it turns out isn't actually necessarily a a healing balm. No we, we saw that in South Africa and in some of the other
0: African countries that had civil wars. The ones that tended to work most afterwards agreed that okay there will be a There will be justice. There will be reconciliation. There will be a period, but there will also be an acceptance that some things are just not getting looked into.
1: There was a sense that you okay, we will have justice tribunals and we'll have investigations, but then we will put a stone over it, and we will move on. And but even more than that, I'm saying that is, if you look, number one, number one, I would say is that there is an absolute misconception, black. People in the United States have done incredibly well. They have been, they have been really successful. They have many, many, most black people in the United States, black people in the United States, have worked hard, have gone to school, have gone to college, and have done really well. There is a large and burgeoning black middle class in the United States. There are black millionaires. I think there are probably black billionaires now. There are black entrepreneurs, black tech guys, black. Uh, CEOs in Fortune 500s, the notion that black America has to wait for white America to feel good about it and to be kindly towards it before they can be successful, well, first of all, is is wrong. Incredibly patronising and, I would fundamentally say, racist to to, to African-Americans, the notion that they can only be successful when white America decides to allow them to be successful. And that fact is that they are not. There are deep problems with deprivation and with poverty and alienation and the kinds of services that they have at black, young black American. for example, the schools. There's a horrendous problem with the kind of edu- basic public education that's been offered to urban black populations today in the united states but the idea that they there haven't been huge successes in the last 40 years
0: i mean that's that's,
1: i think you can tell
0: that the american approach to racial issues doesn't work because as the black and white community have gotten closer as as you have seen improvements uh, in the kind of wealth and education and lifestyle of
1: african americans the racial issues have gotten worse Well, those people whose job it is to caretake the racial issues have become increasingly strident and exaggerated in their rhetoric. I mean, if you were to listen to the rhetoric today from what Thomas Sowell calls the race hustlers, and Thomas Sowell, many people regard as America's leading public intellectual, if you compare it to the language and the rhetoric of the 1960s, and use that as a barometer of change you'd have to assume that life and racism was much worse today than it was 50 years ago when plainly across every metric that simply isn't true but so and i i am terrified genuinely that they're going to decide in the set because they are such victims of this american global globalization they're such victims of american cultural appropriation that they're just going to assume oh well they do it like that in america that's the way we'll do it here because that's the pattern they have they'll send people over oh i don't know to bard or to wesley or to smith or to do courses on what courses they've done they'll ignore the voices of people like soul or walter williams or glenn lorry or john mcquirt or or chatterton or any of these people or selby steele and they'll import this model and it'll be a fucking disaster. It might be an entertaining disaster though. It'll be a costly one. It'll and it won't be a, I put it this way, Gary, I'm confident that in five years' time, if you're still doing this kind of work, you may be finding some of their attentions less entertaining than you you, you anticipated. Because I I can I can imagine, Gary, maybe that you might come to their attention. I will not. I will surrender immediately. I will bow down. And except the noble Google overlords, I have no pretensions to the idea that in another time, in another place, I would have been a hero. I would not.
0: Oh, you think I'd be a hero?
1: Well, no, I think you'd be too pig-headed to stop. I mean, you'd be amazed how often those are the same things. And I was about to say, and very often that is exactly the same thing as being either a hero or a saint. So, you know, I suspect that you may fall into that category.
0: Well, I mean, that's the thing. They're joyless,
1: humorless skulls. They've taken Little Britain off the island. Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind, yes. First film to see uh, an African-American actress, actor, I should say, win an an Academy Award. And I used to know the name of the actress because it was a question in table quizzes. Hetty. Hetty something. I want to say Hetty MacDonald, but I don't think that's right. Anyway. That's gone. Little Britain is gone. I think their other show, Come Fly with Me, which I, I also quite I actually quite enjoyed, cops got, cops got
0: cancelled. Cops got cancelled. I like the way they took Little Britain off both the BBC player and Netflix.
1: Yeah, gone. And you know, I, I was saying to you earlier in, in chat, I have reason to believe from a conversation I had some time ago that I don't think that if you were to ask uh, a young people of colour in the in the United Kingdom today. Maybe in America, I don't know, but not in the United Kingdom. I went, when I don't think that they looked at the, the the problematic character in the in the Little Britain was the the figure uh of a, a a rather obese woman um who was well, it's not actually clear where she's from. I always thought she was South American. That was my sense, but anyway, she's she's a person of color, and this is offensive because this is a form of blackface but I think young people in Britain have no sense that this is this such a thing exists or tradition they just think it's a funny grotesque they dress up as women they dress up as men they dress up as they pretend to be Swedes and Russians and Italians and English they depend they're 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 gay and they're straight and they're trans and sometimes they're black and sometimes they're white and sometimes they're brown I, I, I look forward greatly to seeing what sort of
0: culture we have when these people are the people who decide what you see and what you don't see. Because if you're willing to tear down historical statues, then you're making a statement as to what you think can be talked about in society and what can be uh, so what, there's what not can be celebrated. Not much and comedy. Not there's not going to be a lot of comedy. Like you thought it was bad when the church uh, banned Life O'Brien It's in nothing yet.
1: And I tell you what, this crowd will ban the life of Brian too. I mean, the the thing with
0: the statues are, in some of the Eastern European countries, once communism fell, they took all of the statues of Lenin and Stalin and everything and they would put them, they would move them into one centralised location. Like a park, basically. Yes. And you could go there and you could see them. That's not what's happening here. These people tore down a statue and threw it in the fucking sea.
1: Now or the river at, I think was the river or the sea the river, I think. The river but like, the sea, sea river, for but dramatic purposes sea for sort of dramatic purposes the thing is also the vast majority of those statues in Eastern Europe were crap really not very not very good statues now the now, thing now, of Columbus that people before profit want to tear down isn't very good either but the one I saw in Bristol looked like a very nice 18th century statue now We'd had the tricorn hat and it looked like a kind of thing you'd be happy to have on the side. If they had a few of those around Dublin, I think, yeah, that improves my city. Gary, who are the, who are the two guys in front of Trinity? Burke and who's the other one? I actually don't know. Well, there you go, for example. And you're a person of education who has wandered around Dublin. Yeah, but I didn't go to Trinity, and I'd say I've been inside no, nor, the building. Nor, well, nor did I, but you've passed it by God knows how many times. Oh, I don't. I don't pay any attention to surroundings. And who, who is who is it? I, I, I want to say Swift, but I don't know. I know one of them is Burke. Well, they'll tear him down for wanting to eat babies. And they'll tear Burke down for being Burke. Lots of reasons to tear Burke down. They'll tear Burke down
0: for speaking negatively about the revolution, which of course will be glorious.
1: How many people have read the Reflections of the Revolution in France, do you think? And associated, looked at that statue of the, in any way. The reflections, I'm going to guess, has never been the feel-good
0: hit of the summer.
1: It used to be on the Leaving sort, Did it? It is now 16 or 17 years since I last saw the Queen of France. And then I thought a thousand scabbards would leap, swords would leap from their scabbards. You see? It was on the prose part of the Leaving sort. Reflection on the revolution. The, inter- the, the the introduction to it. Oh, right, yeah. Not the, when, yeah when she yeah. saw the Queen of France. Married it was very lovely.
0: Have you noticed the the rephrasing of the question about these statues? I've, people are not explaining why they want to tear them down anymore. They're now saying, well, if you don't want to tear them down, why not? Why don't you want to tear them because yeah, so I, don't, we just I don't think a random group of people should have the ability <laughs> to destroy a historically significant item well, based on their fucking whims.
1: But also, Gary, frankly, that's not the kind of question you get to ask. Well, why don't you want to tear that hospital down? Why don't you want to tear down Trinity? For fuck's sake, why why don't you want to plow pl- plow over New Grange? Perfectly decent land could be cows on that bunch of bloody people. On the bullies. plus side,
0: if we do get to a situation where they start tearing down statues in Ireland, I am absolutely in support of uh, retaliatory statues. Both the creation of statues and the tearing down of their statues.
1: Well I actually have a, I, I have uh two friends who are sculptors and I who would I'm sure do the business would be very happy of the business. And would do a lovely job actually now that I think of it. Uh, I'm sure Philip Noonan would shout out to Philip there. Hi, Philip. Oh, would do lovely jobs. He did a very nice one with James Joyce. Do something like that. I, I, I mean, we don't have that many statues in Ireland. We're not statue rich. You know? no. If they start tearing down statues for
0: racism, though, we should just crowdfund a statue of Hitler. You know. <laughs> just put it Why? right up there.
1: Why did you do that? Why did you have to say that? that's the thing because I that. want
0: I want to see their reaction
1: that's the great if anybody bothers that and a
0: good statue like a statue that makes him look good Like you would look at him like yeah I can see what they were talking about
1: Gary Kavanagh calls for crowdfunding of Hitler statue if they start tearing down statues because of
0: racism we should give them an actually problematic statue
1: other guy sh- other guys shot with him you know that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah Great, lovely. What? That's, uh, always dying you, in... The, you yes. just never have a
0: sense of humour about these <laughs> Hitler things.
1: It's the dying in an anecdote, Gary. It's always a question. You have to, to die in your own anecdote, not someone else's.
0: Well, I mean, don't worry, Michael. I promise if I take power, I'll kill them before they can
1: kill me. <laughs> but that's the only way you Oh, sweet Lord. That's no, a good I, point in, in society, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? That's a a, a hopeful way of looking at the whole thing. I laugh,
0: but I mean that in the same sense that Caesar meant it when he was talking to his kidnappers.
1: Oh, yeah, his his pirate friends. Yeah, what are you going to
0: do when we we get back? I'm going to hunt you all down and crucify you. Ha,
1: ha,
0: ha, ha. Two years later, oh, shit.
1: Oh, look, it's the baldy guy. And he's got a hammer. You know, he kept laughing when he said it, but he really was not joking. No, no. Which kind of is a... Is a bit of a mirror to the soul of Julius Caesar, isn't it? I just like the idea of well, I gave my word. Yeah, yeah. No one I,
0: thought you did though. You could have just you, left
1: it. In fairness, I did. I did tell you, lads. Now you have to be fair. I, I, I had to laugh because if I didn't laugh, you might have killed me. But, well, before we finish up, because we as horses, even horses with bicycles thrown at them have to be. You have to stop beating them eventually. The question, I, I, if anybody's. Even briefly equivocating about this the reason why you don't do this kind of stuff is because you need to be able to answer the questions where does it stop and why does it stop I don't believe that the vast majority of people in Ireland right today would actually pass a purity test that would be put by these people so I don't think any cultural figure historical figure or, or artefact from today back, it will would actually pass, ultimately, any kind of a test. What is there in this country that isn't, in some sense, isn't tainted? Anything which is, anything touched by the imperial power before? You could say it's tainted by the connection with the imperial power? You know, when did serfdom die out? Serfdom really only dies out around 1400, doesn't it? Because of the, the Black Death is the end of serfdom. So every country in Europe was practicing a form of slavery up till then. I mean, and in Russia, they kept on. You had serfdom in Russia until the 1870s, 18, something like that? 1870s, 1880s? It's a ridiculously naive, single minded, monochromatic way of looking at history. But actually, they're not looking at history, are they? they're creating a narrative for themselves and they're not really interested in history or perspectives. Even if... but Nobody will say anything. Nobody over here will say anything. Nobody will object. Nobody will say, do you know what, racism isn't one of the top 10 hardest problems we have to face in this country, the biggest problems. And even if it was, what would we do? Let's import a, a series of divisive, nasty and expensive measures nobody will object. We will have hate crimes, we will have hate enhancements, we will have hate speech. It'll all come in. And in the middle of it all, Philly Gale still had time of between this and a pandemic, and not having a government to introduce legislation which will allow children at the age of, sort of 14 to decide they want to change their bodies and become a different sex, even if their parents don't want them to do it. So it's great that Philly Gale have those priorities, Gary.
0: Yes, I'm, yeah... I'm I'm sure Fine Gael members and Fine Gael TDs up and down the country are enjoying the priorities
1: that they have. I agree with that wholeheartedly. All of those Fine Gael members out there that vote year in year out. I'd love to be able to just look at them. Now so you're you're in favor of this whole under 16 transgender transitioning thing. Are you that you're happy with that? I'm just thinking of the Fine Gael members that I know in this area. How do they fucking live with themselves? How do you keep... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything anymore, Gary. Except that nobody else does either.
0: Oh, well, then you're the wisest of all men.
1: That's very sweet of you. Still no, won't that's, stop... That's th- not what I said. That was, that was the Greek view of this. That was, the, yes, the Socratic view. Uh, it still won't stop them shooting. Though. There you
0: have it, listener. You have witnessed Michael achieve enlightenment. What will you do with this newfound power, Michael? well I'm hoping to get a book and maybe a TV series out of it Gary I thought you were going to say get drunk in a bathtub
1: <laughs> no I'm going to be, I will be
0: avoiding bathtubs I and, did and actually the, the other day I was cooking a uh, chicken with my girlfriend and in a moment of whimsy I held it up to her and said behold it is man and she didn't get it <laughs> I'm sure you enjoyed explaining it I didn't explain it I thought that made it substantially better
1: (laughs) I'm sure she agreed anyway shall we let them shall we release back into the wild these poor creatures and we shall return on Friday assuming they haven't come to collect us and take us away Ah, ah, ah. oh no we probably have a couple of years before that happens I think you're optimistic very optimistic to say a couple of years no I'm just a very good shot I think that yeah, if we're still here at Christmas, we're doing well. Anyway, until then, not till Christmas, I mean until Friday, stay safe, stay outside, get some vitamin D and take some zinc. We'll all be well.
0: Oh, and if you haven't, uh, subscribed to this podcast on Spotify or iTunes or things like that. And please consider making a uh, donation to Gript if you like this kind of content or the work we do more generally. I should have been saying this for the preceding hundred episodes, but I didn't want to as I hate asking people for things. But,
1: you know, I should have been. Or buy me a drink if you see me. Other than that, bye bye. All the best.